because of the, the, the treatment that they were giving her at the time. She had a really hard time talking. And she would call people down to her side, her son and her grandson and, and her husband. And she even called me. I, was, I, I felt honored that she even wanted to say a word to me. So I, I bent down next to her hospital bed as, as she was getting ready to die. And this godly, godly woman looked up and her eyes communicated all she needed to say. But all she said to me was, said, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And she smiled. Within about 12 hours, she was dead. And you know, it was a beautiful example of what the Bible calls joy. Joy. Now, Brock asked you to think of a time when you were happy. And boy, you guys talked a lot. You had a lot of things that you were happy about. But you just sang a song. And let me tell you, I was listening. We were singing from our hearts. Our hearts of joy. And I sat there listening and thinking about the people who were standing behind me, where I happened to be standing, all over the room. And I thought of people who have illness, who have heartbreak, who are waiting on the Lord to do something. I thought of people that are in a good time. Your work is going well, your family is going well, your house is going well. And I really thought, standing there, Lord, how is it possible that we can be in good times and we can be in bad times and we can still sing these same songs and they're true? true. That's joy. When you have the joy of Christ, when you have the joy of the Lord, and we're going to know what that means before we're, before we're done together. We're going to have a better idea what that means. When you have that kind of joy, no matter what comes down your road, you can praise God and you can sing praises to Him. Now that doesn't mean you aren't going to cry because you are, I promise you. There around her hospital bed before she died, was a crying husband, a crying son, a crying granddaughter, and they weeped true to true tears. But through it all, there was a line of joy. Today we're starting the book of Philippians, and I tell you I love this book, and you do too. You may not know it, but you do. Open up your Bible to the book of the Philippians, and let me just tell you some verses that are here, because you love this book. You may not recognize the address of many of these verses, but you love them. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's 121. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's 2-3. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God of Christ Jesus. That's 3-13. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 3.20 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 4.4 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's 4.6 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and so forth, that's Philippians 4.8. Think about these things. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are some of the verses 
that are in this book of Philippians. And what we're going to now start on is a journey through this book of Philippians. And we're going to understand what God's message through the Apostle Paul is to us today. And it is a very, very relevant message. It is all about joy. All through this book, we see Paul, as the Spirit of God led him, to call us to experience, to command us, quite honestly, to experience joy. Now, the truth is, many people live far from joy. Far from joy. And they don't understand it, and they, they can't figure it out. Why, why no joy? Why don't I have joy in my life? Why am I always down? Why am I always discouraged? Why am I always filled with sorrow? Can I challenge you that maybe it's because you don't understand what joy is? And I really want to come alongside you today and help you with that. To understand what joy is. That we might have it in our lives, actually reckon it in our lives and realize it is there so that we can live for God's glory. Before we do that, I want to put a quote up on the screen. Here it is. Blank has been everything to me. My place of refuge. The place I've always gone. When I needed comfort and peace, it's been the site of intense pain and the most intense feelings of joy and satisfaction. It's a relationship that has evolved over time and given me the greatest respect and love for the... Okay, now don't, don't go forward yet. So who said that? Anybody recognize that quote? You can tell us what the blanks are? I mean, there's this picture, right? That should help. His big question mark tattoo on his foot? No, no. We, we would think it should be God, right? It should be the Lord. Can I challenge you with this idea? What is it that you think? What is it that you think is going to bring you joy? What is it that you think is going to finally fulfill that desire you have? We have up here the words of an idolater. And you know what? I love this guy. Don't tell tell him yet. I love this guy. But he's an idolater. And here represents the idol of America. This is it. It's one form of it. It is seeking happiness and joy in something that's created. So let me tell you about us as human nature. Our human nature is this. We are drawn to worship and pursue the created rather than the creator. That's our flesh. Our flesh is drawn to the created and in reality, if there's, you know, I don't know how many people are here, we could fill this blank with probably 185 different answers. But it's all idolatry. And it will never fulfill. Okay, you want to know who it is? I'm going I'm to upset some of you. All right, you're going to be sad to see this. All right, go ahead, Carrie. That is our great friend, Michael Jordan. Hmm. You knew. Brian knew. The game of basketball has been everything to me, Michael Jordan said. 
My place of refuge, play, my, my place of refuge, place I've always gone where I needed comfort and peace. It's been the site of intense pain and the most intense feelings of joy and satisfaction. It's a relationship that has evolved over time. Give me the greatest respect and love for the game. And in truth, we all gather around and pay our money and watch him and others worship. It's like we're going to a pagan temple. And we pay our $5 at the door. We pay our $75 for the month of direct TV so I can watch it. And watch idolatry happen. Folks, we don't. We should be different. We should be different. We are believers in Christ. We are followers of God. We should know what true joy is. And we should stop pursuing these other things, thinking that they're going to satisfy. Now, just so you know, I'm not going to call at the end of the service. We're not going to come forward carrying our basketballs in our hand and burn them in a pile here. Okay? That's not what we're going to do. All right? There's nothing wrong with basketball. Brian, you keep coaching. Will, you keep playing. There's nothing wrong with that. But you better keep it in perspective. You better keep it in perspective. And before we point our fingers at Michael Jordan, where do you go? What idol are you hoping will bring you happiness? So we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about joy. Let's start out and read Philippians chapter 1. Just read, I'm going to read a couple of verses just so you get the flavor of what we got here. 1.1 one, one says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very standard opening to a letter in the day. Very standard. With a few things that are very unique. This is the way that an author would always would write a letter in those days. Okay? But if you're writing a letter, you don't call yourself a servant or a slave. That's what that word is. Slave of Christ Jesus. That's a little bit odd. To the saints who are in Christ Jesus, that's a little strange. A saint, a holy one. With the overseers and deacons, what is this? Verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Paul writes. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. This is is a great call of of what Paul is experiencing. And it's, it's now putting its finger on a very important word in the book of Philippians, and that is the word joy. Now, we need to talk about that, and honestly, most of our time is going to be defining that in a way that we can understand. And the reason why we're going to look so hard at the word joy is it's all through the book of Philippians. It's all through here. Over and over and over, we see this concept of joy and rejoice. Joy is the noun form. Rejoice is the verb form. And it's all through your New Testament. It's all through the book of Philippians. But we need to be careful that we don't confuse it with another word. And what is that word? Happiness. Now, what is happiness? Let's talk about that a little bit before we talk in length about joy. What is happiness? You know, you can see in the very word happiness what it is. Happiness brings to mind happenstance. These are things that happen to you. Happiness 
is a fleeting feeling that may be here for a while and then gone. And it's driven by our circumstances. So when things are going well, when the team is going well, when the stocks are going well, when my marriage is going well, when my children are doing well, I'm happy. I'm happy. We're winning. We're happy. See, it's driven by circumstances. Driven by it. You know, you ever heard, you ever used the word hap? Of course you haven't. It's kind of gone out of existence over the years. But you know what it means? You know what the word hap means? It's an old Nordic word, and it means luck, is what it means. And that's all happiness is. Some people get lucky. They get lucky. And they're happy. They've got money. They've got health. They've got beautiful, lovely children. They're so lucky. If only I had that, I'd be happy. Listen, that's a lie. It's a lie. And it leads us down the path like a carrot. It leads us down a path to idolatry. Because the truth is, you're not going to be that kind of lucky. You're not going to be. I look around the room. Some of you are old enough. You're starting to figure that out, right? Starting to figure that out. You're not going to be that lucky. Things are not always going to go well. It's not, you're not always going to have enough money. You're, you're not always going to get better. Your kid's not always going to make the team. Your team's not always going to win in the first place. These things come our way. What do we do? What do we do? If we are being driven by happiness, we're in bad shape. Because here's the truth about happiness. You can't plan it. You can't program it. You can't make it happen. It's not a matter of choice. You can't plan it. You can't program it. You can't make it happen. It's not a matter of choice. Watch out for the idol of happiness. Instead, let's talk about joy. Jump with me in in the book of Philippians. Go down to verse number 12. Let's read this a little bit. Now, you know what we're going to do. We're going to work through this verse by verse eventually. But today we're doing a broad overview and really landing on the concept of joy. Because, folks, we are desperately filled with sadness as a people. The American people are desperately filled with sadness. And it's so Sad to see. I had a great friend. He was from a little country in the middle of Africa, the Central African Republic. His name was Bruno. And I sat with him one time in seminary, and and he was telling me stories of him growing up. I mean, saying he was poor is is, is just, it's like a mockery to say that. He talked to me how, when you're a mother, mother's in the room, One of the things that you have to teach your children at a very early age is you don't eat dirt. That seems kind of weird, right? Honey, little baby in your hands, we don't eat dirt. say, well, why, why is that? As Bruno told me, he said, because in your life, you get so hungry. We are so desperate, the people that I grew up with. And it's a temptation, and children do it. They pick up soil and eat it, and then they die. And Bruno sit with me in a, in a, like a restaurant, 
He's got a bottle of water. He opens it up and he takes a drink. He said, in my, in my tribe, we travel miles to find decent water. You send people out in the morning and they journey long distance. And they bring back containers of water for us to drink. He said, here I am, drinking a bottle of water. And I said, what? I don't know exactly what I said, but I said something like, well, I bet that water makes you happy, doesn't it? Bruno shook his head. No. What makes me happy? I'm forgiven in Christ. I'm like, wow, blow me out of the water, right? I, we are all so fascinated with the creation. Okay, I sent you to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, Paul writes, has really served to advance the gospel. So it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul is in jail here because of Jesus. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Verse 17, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So guess what's happening here to Paul? He's in jail for preaching Christ. He's, he is, he's suffering, persecuted for Christ. He's confined. He can't do what he wants to do. And in that setting, there are people who are betraying him, trying to bring more reproach upon him. And look where he goes. Verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And there's our word joy. What does joy mean? Well, I wrote down several things I want to share with you. Number one, it's a permanent possession. Hmm. Joy. A permanent possession. So, we have it, and it doesn't go away. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. It's a state of delight, a state of well-being. So it is, a, it is a positive view, yes, on what you have for sure. It is not related to chance. It is not dependent upon your circumstances. As a matter of fact, you are commanded to live it. It is only given by God in your life. That's what it is. You know, I, I tried to think of a way that we could illustrate joy versus happiness. And, and this is what I've landed on. I hope this works for you. Okay? Happiness. You know I like movies. Happiness is what you feel when you watch and pick a funny movie, okay? You know, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Groundhog Day, Dumb and Dumber, Napoleon Dynamite, I don't know. Happiness is that. <laughs> and you laugh at it, okay? But let me paint a picture for you of joy. I love movies, especially war movies, you know? Have you seen The Patriot? Okay. You know that scene where they're out on the battlefield and the really bad guy is there and he's fighting against Mel Gibson, whatever his character's name is, okay? And, and they're battling one another, you know, they're swords and all this stuff. Oh, in that big moment when the sword hits his tomahawk and his tomahawk goes flying across the, the field, remember that? Okay? And now he slices him and dices him a few times and now Mel Gibson is down on the ground and the big bad 
guy, the British general, whatever he is, he pulls out that sword. And he says in his British accent, I'm not going to try it. But he says, I thought you were going to kill me. I thought you were a better man than me. And he comes running at him with a sword. Remember this scene? He comes running at him. He's going to just, you know, sorry, but lop off his head. Remember that? Okay. You're watching the movie, right? In your head right now. You're watching the movie. You know that feeling you have when you're watching it? Because you know what's going to happen. Right? You know he's going to duck. He's going to duck, and then he's going to turn around and jam that bayonet into his chest, right? You know that's going to happen. You've seen the movie ten times. You know what's going to happen. You're sad to watch. Oh, he's cut. He's hurting. But you know what's going to happen. You know that feeling in your gut? As a matter of fact, you call your friend. You're like, hey, Ken, come watch this scene. Come watch this scene. And you play it again on YouTube. Okay? You know that? You know what that is? That's joy. That's joy. It's a confident expectation. You've seen the movie. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to occur. You feel the pain of the moment. Yes. You remember when his first son was killed by that very guy when he killed him? Remember he shot him with the gun? You know the later scene when, when that, other brother, that other son was killed? You know all that? And yet you're moved in your heart. A confident expectation about what God is going to do. That is joy. At least it's close to it. It's close to it. Let's talk more about joy, Okay. I want to run through some things here. First of all, you need to know that the giver of joy is God. Joy is a gift. Joy is a gift. Listen to Psalm 1611. I'm going to hit many, many verses. If you want to write the reference down, it would be a good idea. John 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, the psalmist says this to God. God is the giver of joy. It's not the lottery. It's not a winning season. It's not smart kids. It is God who gives us joy. Jesus had some things to say about joy. I think I got this one up on the screen. Go ahead and hit two slides forward. This is from John chapter 15. Listen to what Jesus said about joy. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John 15, 11, in the upper room. As Jesus here going to the cross, he knows what's coming. The apostles, many of them are going to be martyred because they follow Christ. But he calls them the joy. And we also know from Galatians 5, 22, you know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Remember that? Okay? The Spirit of God is the source of joy. So this is what we see. So we see about joy. It's totally from God. God brings us joy. Because of what Christ did and the Spirit of God in us, it is fully available. Joy is here for us. Hmm. So why don't we have it? Okay, that goes to our second point. Here's a reality. Joy is experienced when we, we experience it is in obedience to God's word. It's the truth. Joy. It's experienced in obedience to God's word. 
Put Jeremiah 15 up on the screen for me, please. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Joy comes from obedience. Now, I know obedience is not real popular, okay? Because none of us like to obey. As a matter of fact, none of we not like to obey. We don't like rules. As a matter of fact, we don't like rule makers. That's the reality. But God loves us and is offering joy to us. I can't tell you how many times I've had a teenager come to me in tears, back when I was a youth pastor, okay, and they're like, oh, Pastor Lowe. Maybe not in tears, but here's the question. I don't think I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. I don't, I don't feel God's presence in my life at all. And I learned, like a surgeon with a scalpel, depending upon who they were and what their age was, to ask a few questions and quickly discover they're walking in disobedience. Walk in disobedience, you will not experience joy. You will not. God calls us to obey Him. He tells us in His Word what that means. And when we walk in obedience, we will experience this joy that God brings into our life. So if you're struggling with joy, you say, I don't have it. I challenge you. Is there an area in your life that you are not walking in obedience? You've got to respond there. And the third part is very much connected to it. And joy is magnified through trials. You see, often obedience brings challenges. Does it not? Obedience brings challenges. Obedience often on this earth where we're surrounded by idolaters. When we're surrounded by idolatry, when we obey God, it's going to have a cost. We have to flow against the idolaters. And joy then is magnified. Listen, trials and and challenges in these things, they have a purpose. If you have the attitude like, man, this is just bum luck for me. It's really unlucky. You're looking for happiness. Joy, though. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 1.6. I think it's from the screen as well. And you became imitators of us, Paul wrote, and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You know what I want for all of us? You know what I want for us? I want for us to to have this gift of joy in our lives. That even when affliction comes, when trials come, we can count it all joy when we fall into these trials. We can count it joy because God is there bringing us through it. And it's magnified through these trials. And in reality, without the last point, it won't happen either. Joy. It's driven by the glory of God. I think i got 1 Peter 4 for you. It really wraps it up well for us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says this, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Joy. Joy. 
think of a definition for you. Do I, did that make it up there? One more. Here it is. True joy. This is not happiness. This is not luck. This is not things are going well for me right now. This is joy. This is a confident expectation and hope of what God is doing in my life. And no matter what may come, I may be crying and weeping tears, but this confident hope is there. True joy is a gift of God. Given through the Holy Spirit to those who respond to the gospel as they obey God's word, walk by faith through trials. They continue to believe and they set their hope on the glory of God. Listen, that is that is joy. That is joy. I feel so sad for so many people that I bump into that are just so wrapped up in sorrow and grief and discouragement. Listen, if that's you, I feel for you. And humanly speaking, there are times when I walk away from being with people and I think, honestly, I think this, and and I'm embarrassed to tell you, I think... I don't know what to say. I've got, I've got so little to offer them. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to give them any hope. I've thought that before. Walking away, I think, I don't know how to give them any hope. But then I'm corrected in my mind, and I realize, that's right. I don't have to give them hope. God does that. God does that. That's how it is that Paul, through these these, these difficult times could speak of joy, could speak of rejoicing. He understood what joy is. Do you? Or do you bow to the idol of happiness, happenstance, what's happening to you? And if you got happy, meaning lucky, just to close this time in our passage, I just want to say a couple more quick words. Notice here, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Can I just, can I just mention here, I'm, I'm out of time, and we'll get into this a little bit next week. But I want you to see that, that Paul is, is speaking to part of the package for enjoying this joy. He understands his identity, servant of Christ. He understands his identity, a saint in Christ. You are holy in Christ. If you're in Jesus today, you are a saint. Saint is not something that happens to some people after they die and are sainted. That's not what it is. If you're in Christ today, the Bible calls you a saint. And you stand before the Lord completely holy today. And that brings us joy. He says here, along with the overseers and deacons. Can I just mention here? That one of the things that Paul drives us to, this is the church, folks. Overseers. That's the word that is translated bishop, interchanged with elder, interchanged with pastor, and then we have deacon. So we got these these people. What, What is Paul driving to? He's driving to this group of people who come together and remind each other, we're not idolaters. We're not idolaters. We don't live for here. 
We don't live for happenings. That's not what we do. That's what we do. We come together, remind each other of that. He's driving us there. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And he prays for them. And his prayer is with joy. Now let me just, let me just really exhort you for just a few seconds here. I sat down and made a list of joy stealers. Some of these you've heard me rail on before. Okay? But if you struggle with this, if you struggle today with a lack of joy, I want to challenge you in a few areas. Number one, how's your heart towards people? Are you critical? Are you envious? Are you filled with greed for things? Because I find in myself, when I allow myself to be critical about people and envious of people, see, I've got my eyes off of God and looking at other people then. It steals my joy. How are you doing with social media? I'm back here again, I'm sorry, but how are you doing with social media? Had somebody say to me, you know, Facebook is horrible. Because when do you look at it? When you're bored. And you go through the whole news feed and everybody's doing something more exciting to you. Why? Because all you're doing is looking at Facebook, right? So anything at that point is better. Watch out for that. Watch out for it. Where are you investing your energy and your time? It speaks very highly. It does. It reveals what it is you're trying to grasp to bring you happiness. I'm amazed at the things that we're running after, hoping. You need to evaluate that in your life. And evaluate those that you lead. Your family, your wife, your your whatever. Are Are you pursuing things in a hope that they'll bring you happiness? Because listen to what God says. God says this in Isaiah. I will not. Now imagine, if God says, I will not, you better listen. God says, I will not share my glory with another. That's what God says. I will not share my glory with another. So when we run after things, abilities, opportunities, thinking that they'll do something for us, We're seeking to glory. That's what glory is. God says, I'm not playing that game. I won't do that. You know, it's all about what are you pursuing? What are you, actually, who are you pursuing? The challenge we go through Philippians is, I want to see you pursue Christ. Pursue Jesus. So this week, you spend time in Philippians. I'll meet you there, Okay? Let's spend time together in Philippians this week. And let's pray that God shows us the truth of Jesus and His Spirit. And what we can have, what we do have in Christ. Joy. Joy of being forgiven. Joy of knowing God. Joy of His presence. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, it is with joyful hearts that we confidently expect you to come, you to fulfill, 
you to do. Lord, I, I just, on behalf of our body, Lord, I, we want to confess that we are victims of idolatry at times, Lord. We fall into it and we think other things will fulfill and they don't. Lord, forgive us for this. Forgive us now, Lord, for pursuing and believing that something else could bring us some form of joy. And instead, Lord, fix our eyes on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.